Hello and welcome to another Win Daily Show. My name is Michael Raziel and I have my man Steve Najab with me. I have my man Joel Shrek with me and we are talking the BMW Championship here and I am very excited for it. See you. How you doing today, buddy? I'm doing awesome, man. How are you? It's a good day, man. Uh, as I was telling you, I'm trying to find that free bet because I want to bet it um, on the Mavs plus eight. Uh, free bet for anyone out there. I don't know if Jason's going to get angry at me, but our house better has a plus eight on the Mavs right now. So I'm going to try and take it and I'm going to run with it. But DraftKings is screwing me over a little bit. So we'll see what happens there. Joel, how you doing tonight, man? I'm doing great. We are in the prime season for fantasy sports. It couldn't be a better time of the year for me. Right. We got I'm I'm still grinding baseball every day, which has been great. Obviously, we have baseball DFS. We got the NBA uh, NBA starting to wind down a little bit. We're starting to only get to these two game slates, which they're still fun. Uh, I'm very excited to watch that Mavs game as I as I was talking about in a little bit. And yeah, obviously the hype of NFL draft season. I think I have my first real draft coming up this Friday. I have another one the week after that and another one the day after that. So very excited. I'm actually kudos to my future wife. Love her very, very much. We are actually drafting at my rehearsal dinner, which I'm extremely oh excited about. So kudos uh, all around to me. So I'll take my bow. I will appreciate any compliments because I may be the luckiest person on planet Earth. But enough about me, enough about me. Um, let's, um, well, first we have to say, anybody that's listening and watching right now, guess who's coming on the show tomorrow? See, I'll let you take this one. So the one and only uh, Michael and Joel, the one and only Robert Griffin III will be on the show with us tomorrow, which is awesome. Oh, Joel, you didn't know that. I just saw your, for those listening <laughs> to the podcast, um, uh, Joel's jaw fell to the floor. So that was kind <laughs> of cartoonish. So yeah, Robert Griffin III is going to be joining us. You know, we had the back and forth, or I should say, really, we, we just sort of had it, Michael, where we were kind of, you know, uh, talking about RG3 a lot in the, you know, the past few months. And uh you know, we parlayed that to a um, notification to the RG3 Foundation, and Robert Griffin was uh, interested in coming on to the show, and, and we're going to make a donation to the foundation, of course, as well, and we're going to try to get some awareness from other people uh, in that regard. So we're going to talk about the foundation, but we're going to talk about some fun stuff, too, um, like football and basketball. You know, growing up, he was a big basketball player, too, along with the track stars. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, who's the GOAT, you know, LeBron or Jordan or who's going to win it all, you know, things. I, I want to ask him, Michael, and, you know, we're, let's just pontificate real quick. And Joel, please feel free to step in. I, I want to ask him about like things in threes, like your, your, your three favorite things. But I haven't really come up with ideas like mm. three favorite artists, movies, things of that nature, because I think that would be both cheesy and fun. Yeah. I well, think what, that would what I will fun. say is this podcast has the ability to speak things into existence. I mean, we... When we first started talking about him coming on the show, I don't think either any of us actually thought it was going to actually happen. And boom, a month later, he's on. And we spoke um, HV3 into winning the first round leader a couple weeks ago. That's so right. listen, these things keep happening. <laughs> Whatever we're doing, guys, we are doing it right. So let's keep the train rolling. No, and, and can I dead. say on that note, you talked a lot about Scotty Scheffler last week, and we had that big back and forth where I said, oh, my gosh, if you talk Scotty Scheffler, I'm in on Scotty Scheffler. And then he shoots a 59. Like, what the hell is going on here? I can't wait for the rest of the show. I was going to say, I'm really curious what we're speaking into existence this week. But we are here to talk about the BMW Championship. It is always nice to, you know, we, we don't want to repeat history, I guess, or we, we need to learn history to understand what might happen going forward. So, Sia, talk to me. Have you ever seen somebody shoot a minus 30 before because again i don't watch that much golf i watch enough and i know when i see and i hear but i have i am i'm very confident i've never seen a minus 
30 on a leaderboard before. That was absolutely incredible last weekend. It was incredible. I kind of hated it at the same time. Like I, I do want, especially from a betting standpoint, whether you're playing matchups or outrights, you know, I kind of like some challenge to the course because it's going to make me be able to delineate, you know, the average golfer from a betting standpoint, the average golfer from, you know, the slightly above average golfer and so on and so forth. So, you know, I, DJ was the best guy out there and he's one of the elite players, but, you know, you have some of these randoms that are just having, you know, great days and, and, it just, you know, some guys need a more challenging course, and that's kind of their bad, I guess. But I don't want to see minus 30. I don't want to see birdies. He had more eagles than bogeys, Michael. Awesome. I love it. I mean, what is that? That's not awesome. – That's I mean, that's like the, the local you know, municipal, like, golf course, if not putt-putt at that point. I mean, what are we doing here? I can't, Joel, what are your, what's on, your opinion on that? They said it on the broadcast. I don't know if you saw this. Max Homa wrote a tweet. And there, so last week – uh, PGA came out with a golf video game, PGA 2K1. And so Max Homa goes, the video game, DJ is making the video game look too easy, right? Because he's not shooting, you can't shoot a minus 30 in a video game, but he can do it in real life. So uh, he's playing. I mean, what he did was unbelievable. It, it's cool to see somebody be that elite at something, right? Because like, that's just different to watch. It'd be that much better than everyone else in the field. But yeah, I mean, it's less exciting from a betting standpoint because there was no action. It was like, it was over at by Saturday, the whole tournament. Well, I, I just thought it was cool. Sh Scotty Scheffler goes out, shoots that 59. And then I think uh, Dustin comes out and goes birdie, eagle, birdie, eagle or something. And everyone's like, wait a second, we got something here. So, I mean, again, I agree with you. Again, we don't see minus 30 very often and I don't expect to see it anymore, however many more times. But every once in a while, it's kind of cool. I mean, again, you know, as you said, it is kind of like your local municipal putt-putt, but no one else was even at 20 under. Like this dude just right. blew the That's entire true. field away, which is in itself, Every once in a while, it's it's fun to watch that. And, you know, Mr. Paulina Gretzky, he's always going to be one of my favorites for that reason. So we'll see what happens there. But just crazy. Just crazy. When I looked up and saw that, I thought it was extremely impressive. And I think I think DraftKings had a bet and it was minus money for him to hit like eight birdies or something, eight and a half birdies over under, which is just insane. And he crushed it on that final day. So, you know, in one day or the weekend, it was the week. It was the day. It was in one day and he crushed it. He won the bet. It's insane. It was nuts. I love it. I love it. But we are moving on. We are talking here about the BMW Championship. Sia, talk to me a little bit about where we're at and what we're doing because it's a no-cut event, correct? Correct. We're in the second of the second leg of three legs, essentially, for the FedEx Cup. So next week is going to be the top 30 that are going to be competing for that $15 million prize. Don't forget, though, that it pays out the top 30. So if you're like 30th next week, I, I think it's like 395,000. I think second place is 5 million. So you're not just battling for 15 million. Like some of these some of these guys will be very much enticed by the second and third place prize. So um, it's in Chicago. It's a course that a lot of people haven't really played. The only guys that, that really have any record of playing this course the last five years are some of the some of the guys that are kind of like rookie-ish or you know in their first or second year because a lot of the amateur championships were played in like 2016, I think maybe 2017. I'm not really sure. Uh, Hovland has played it, played well on it. Morikawa, uh, Wolf, they've all been successful on this course. I think Cam Champ as well, and maybe Joel probably knows a couple other guys as well. So there's not a lot of course history here to speak of, which we normally talk about. So this is really, for me, this is going to be, you know, who's in good form, who has good iron play. It helps to be good off the tee here, helps to be long on a few particular holes. But for me personally, I'm just going to be focused on approach game, iron game, particularly, you know, mid to long iron range. Love it. And Joel, what are, what are some of the things you could potentially add to that? Yeah, so the what's interesting is there was a big amateur tournament here 
I don't know what year. It was within the last five years. DeChambeau actually won it, and that was before he became Beefy Bryce. So I don't know if that helps or hurts. Like, I, it's like a different golfer, right? Like, Beefy Bryce <laughs> is the one that th- hits it out 350, and, like, he's not as controlled, whereas pre-Beefy Bryce, he was more controlled. And so I don't even know if that means anything that he won it a few years ago. Uh, but, yeah, a lot of those young guys that are those up-and-comers that are kind of like the new wave on, on the golf tour right now, they had played it. So if you can get a little course history from that, but – I'm not basing much of my picks this week off course history because of that reason. Um, you know, Jim Furyk won the tournament in 2003, and he's not even in this field. Tiger, I think, got like 20th, and you know, Tiger in 2003 getting 20th is like bad because he won every tournament then. So I wouldn't base anything off of that. Um, the one thing for this tournament that I will preface it with, and it's a lot of kind of how you build your rosters, is most of the time with golf we're playing GPPs, right? We're playing tournaments, um, and because it's a no cut tournament. That's really important, right? Because with cut, you can't take your chances on those 6,000 guys too much because when they make miss the cut, you're done. You're not going to win anything. But now a guy can blow up on Friday and still be in the winning lineup because he has two more days to go low. So a guy like Ryan Palmer, who does that a lot, who will go six under, five over, six under, uh, normally you want to shy away because you're not sure if he'll make the cut now. Feel free because you know you'll get all four days. I love that. And that's true. Absolutely. Yes, Ryan Palmer do that a couple weekends ago where, yeah, he he was completely erratic, but he made the cut and uh, made some people some money, which is kind of nice. So let's start talking about it. Um, let, Let's hop into this this top line uh, of golfers. Obviously, we have a stacked field. I'm also seeing Webb Simpson out. Is that uh, new news? I just saw that there. Can some Joel, you're shaking your head. Talk to me a little bit. Yeah, he, he pulled out earlier today. I found it surprising because his results this week would have made a pretty big difference. So for context, um, and Sia will probably know this better, but there's a point system. So once you get to the next week's tournament, then the guy in first place starts the tournament 10 under, starts. So every other guy is at a disadvantage. So you want to go into this as high as you can. It goes up to 10th place. So every guy up to 10th place is going to start under par. Uh, and Webb Simpson is like right in the top of the 10th tier. So he's probably going to fall out of it if not maybe be around 10. So I would have thought playing this week would have helped him ensure that getting some of those strokes for next week. But he's been peated for the last two tournaments, and I guess he needs some rest. Good for him. Yeah, and there's, you know, there's issues with, I think he still might have issues with this caddy. There was sort of this like alleged rib injury that he had a couple weeks ago. It might be a case where he like legitimately needs the rest. But like, as far as the reports go, it kind of just seemed like he's tired and he just wants to skip this week, which again, I agree with Joel is like extremely surprising because you are really kind of putting yourself behind the eight ball to win the, the 15 mil at that point. So I'm yeah, surprised. 15 million is a lot. 15 million is a lot of money. Uh, you know, you'd think somebody would do everything in their power for a couple more weeks because I'm assuming there's not quite. Well, we have the U.S. Open coming up soon, right? So, mm-hmm. but still, 15 million is a lot of money. And as you said, it's not even the 15 million. I wouldn't mind like fifth place in this tournament at all. And I mean, yeah. just the 30th place is like a Tuesday for Joel betting, you know, DFS uh, and whatever. So, I mean, kudos, congratulations there. So now let's hop into that top tier of golfer. We got Dustin Johnson, John Rahm, Justin Thomas, uh, Bryson DeChambeau, Rory McIlroy, Rory McIlroy. There we go. Um, Dustin Johnson's priced up a little high. Uh, surprise, surprise. Talk to me a little bit here. See ya. Yeah, this is a really tough range. And I, I think I'd like I really am excited about Joel's opinion here because I think I'm gonna fade most of this range. I mean, I haven't really been on Rory all year. And I I, I just 
the the mystique behind Rory, if it's not gone for most people, like I, I just don't even know what to tell you at this point. Again, that doesn't mean he's not going to have a good tournament, but I mean, there's like literally no evidence that he's going to be good this weekend relative to this mm-hmm. top tier. So the only, in my opinion, the only reason to take him is he's he's a few less percentage points owned than some of the guys like you know a Justin Thomas or a John mm-hmm. Rom for or or even. You know, Dustin Johnson, for example. But, you know, the lowest guy ownership wise in this range is Bryson DeChambeau. I, I, I don't think I could be on him again this week. As far as this range is concerned, Justin Thomas is the guy that I'm kind of looking at. Um, I don't know if you recall, Michael, when we started doing these live streams before the pandemic, I think it was, you know, I had sort of said Justin Thomas, I think, is is the best player in the world. Mm-hmm. And, and I yep. think he has a real shot to finish on top of the FedEx Cup standing. So part of this is my bias and sort of sticking with my pick. But I do like Justin Thomas the best in this range. Yeah. And, and what about Dustin Johnson? Is it is how what do you think his ownership is going to look like, especially after what he just did only three days ago? So right now it's looking at around 15 percent. And to give you some perspective, if we're going to talk about that top tier, which does not include Webb anymore. So it's just five people um, in that 10,000 range and above. He is basically he's going to be third among those from an ownership standpoint. Right now it goes Justin Thomas, John Rahm. Dustin Johnson, and then right below DJ is Roy McIlroy, and right below that is Bryson DeChambeau. Love it. So, and and, and I think a lot of people like him. I think if mm-hmm. his price wasn't so high, I think it would be it would be higher. But fifteen um, percent looks about right to me. Yeah, eleven five. That is ooh, good for him. Uh, Joel, talk to me. How do you like this top uh, this top line? Yeah, but before I dive in, one thing I want to preface my picks with for today, and I think I spent a lot of time thinking about this week is again, what I was saying earlier when we started the podcast, the same concept of because there's no cut, how I build my lineups is going to be different than normal. So I typically like to build most of my lineups in the seven, 8,000 range with six guys that are all plus golfers. This week, I'm going to be a little bit more top and you know stars and scrubs, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, because I can survive some of those bottom guys as long as they give me a couple of good days. Um, so with that being said, I would say normally with the cut, I wouldn't be targeting these guys, but because there there isn't a cut, I'm, I am going to be targeting Bryson. I like the fact, obviously, that he's going to be low-owned, the lowest-owned of this tier. Mm-hmm. And um, a thing that I mentioned on one of our previous podcasts, maybe in the last week, it's a long course, and what's going to benefit Bryson a lot is you're going to be able to look for long hitters here, right? You're going to want to look for guys that are going to be able to – drive it really far and hit their irons really far that's the main statistics that i'm targeting for this week so who does it for who it's further than bryson nobody so i'm gonna definitely have some shares of him he didn't look great last week that is concerning right it's hard to get on a guy who is coming off kind of a poor performance uh but you don't have to look much further back from last week to find him playing well so you know he's too good at golf I, i see him riding the ship so i will be playing a little bit of bryson um, and I, I like John Rahm. I'm, I'm going back to him. He closed really well last week. He finished strong. And again, he can hit it long, which will suit him really well on this course. So those will be the two guys in this top range that I'll be looking at. I like it. This uh, one one thing, Joel, if you could, um, the more you just have to say beefy Bryson moving forward. The rest, of the that, That's the only thing I'm going to ask for. It, it sounds too good rolling off your tongue. Um, See, so yeah, let's start at that 9K range up top with Xander Shoffley, Daniel Berger, Colin Morikawa, Jason Day and Scotty Scheffler. Joel, your boy, he made it up into 9K. So talk to me a little bit. Sia. how are you feeling about this 9K range? Yeah, two guys I'm, I'm targeting here and they're they're both. I, you know, one's really popular and one's, you know, not necessarily hugely popular uh, from an ownership standpoint. Daniel Berger, I like quite a bit. Um, I, I've kind of liked him for a while now. So I'm just yeah. kind of sticking with the pick that, I, that I've been riding for a while. And then I'm going to go with Joel's boy. I mean, 
Scotty Scheffler is, we know from what he did last weekend that any given day he can go super, super low. And that's what we're looking for. Scotty isn't really necessarily prone to the blow up day, although he has them. So that's not going to hurt you as bad because he can have a blow up day and still be, you know, top five or top six in scoring, depending on how he does uh, on the other three days, if not higher than that. So I like Scheffler and Daniel Berger in this range, this 9K range. I have to ask if you're if you're enamored with Scotty Scheffler and what he did last week, why are you not interested in Dustin Johnson, who shot eleven strokes less? Well, it, because first of all, they're twenty five hundred difference in mm-hmm. from a from a price standpoint, and, and, and honestly, I thought DJ's ownership was going to be a touch higher than it is, so I'm going to have to monitor that. But I was already kind of going into this tournament fading him because I just assumed he would be a little bit a little bit popular. People are going to try to ride that wave, and so. You know, it was more of a pivot play for me. Now that I know he's only like in that 15% range, it's something I'm going to have to monitor. I think that's going to go up a bit because I think what Joel's saying is going to be a kind of a popular move. I think people are going to kind of come to their senses a little bit and say, hey, I can sneak a couple, you know, 6K guys in here that I really like and then take DJ and maybe take a Scheffler, for example, and then just like go with those, you know, those high, um, those kind of high octane, but can blow up sometimes guys. Love it. Love it. Joel, what about you? What about this 9K range? So the, the first thing, as you guys know, I love Scotty Scheffler. I'm always on him. And I said this last week when his price went up. And now it's like him in the 9,000s is not priced accordingly. He's playing great. Like, it's not that he shouldn't be priced there. He, he's in great form. He's playing great. But he's not a 9,000 golfer. Um, I'm, I'm kind of talking two sides of the coin here. This course does suit him well. It's, you, need, you need a long hitter. He hits it long. So I do like him this week. Everything tells me to play him other than the fact that I feel like he shouldn't just be this expensive. Um, you know, they normally don't price adjust this much on guys, even though he's playing great. So I'm, I'm definitely going to have some shares of him because of his form and be, and everything else. But I just feel like they're almost over adjusting on his current form. If you look to the full body of work of who he is, this is not really the golfer he is. So um, I'm, I'm in between on him. I'm definitely going to have some shares, but I'm not going to overplay him. I love Berger as well. Berger is like, for some reason, I feel like Berger is so disrespected. It's like, why is, I mean, he's now, his price is, is not so low anymore, but like, he doesn't get talked about as one of the major guys. The one I read this week, he's not invited to the Masters this year. He And, and it's too late for him to earn his way. And so the only way that he gets to play in the Masters this year is if the people that run it just invite him on their own as like an outsider gets invited. He cannot earn his way into the Masters. How bizarre is that? He's one of the best golfers on tour. He, there should be no question of him playing at the Masters. So that kind of stuff, he's getting disrespected and, he might want to come up and kind of show off and say a little like, you really don't want to invite me to the Masters type of thing. Um, and then, you know, another guy you can't fade is Shoffley. Um, you know, he's he's too good to like, if you're going to be pulling uh, a mass number of lineups, 10, 20 lineups, one or two got to have him in there. Neither of you guys bring up Colin Morikawa, gentleman who just won the PGA Championship, if I'm not mistaken. Joel, I'll start with you. Why not? Dude's been incredible, like, since the restart. So couple things one i agree that's disrespectful of us not to bring him up because he's playing so well that was disrespectful. how many sides of this coin do you have joel this guy's disrespectful (laughs) i like him and i don't like this guy like this is like you're playing 3d coins man what are we doing it's a we're a podcast we're giving recommendations i can't recommend every guy i gotta pick i gotta pick sides so he just didn't make there's nothing i don't like about him and to be honest with you if i was able to name more guys i would have named them but i just there are the other three guys i picked first 
I like it. I like it. See ya. So I'll say a little bit on Morikawa. So while I agree, so he's always grouped with with Matthew Wolf and Victor Hovland. And, you know, that's well-deserved. They should be grouped together. They kind of came out at the same time. And they've had success. Each of them have had success sort of at different times. You know, when they first came out, everybody was talking about Matthew Wolf. And then everybody was talking about Colin Morikawa. And then it was Victor Hovland. And then it was Morikawa again. And then it was Wolf. So I've sort of come to a point where, I think all three of them have a ton of upside. And, and in my article, I actually specifically referenced this. I like Hovland a lot. I like Wolf a little bit less than Hovland, but the price difference I'm getting there for, for guys that seem to sort of rise and fall, you know, within the little three person, you know, tier that they're in, I'm going to go ahead and take the chance with a much lower priced guy and just hope that he kind of assumes that number one role. And I think that very well, I, I think that's very possible with Victor Hovland this week. I love it. All right. See, and that's why, because I need to know, because he, uh, Colin Morikawa has been absolutely fantastic since the restart, obviously winning the only major we've had so far, which has been a lot of fun. So shout out to him, but definitely, definitely curious, but I appreciate both of your answers there. So let's hop into this 8K range just a little bit bigger this week. We have Patrick Cantlay. We have Patrick Reed. We have Tony Finau, Tiger Woods, I guess, um, uh, Matsuyama, Kevin, uh, Kevin Kistner, Harris English, Ty- Tyrell, Ty- Tyrell, Tyrell Hatton, right? I think Adam Scott, Matt Wolf, Victor Hovland, as you said, Paul Casey, and Louis Ustazen, as well as Billy Horschel. Sia, talk to me a little bit about this 8K range. I'll be pretty quick here. And by the way, Colin did miss, Morikawa did miss the cut last week. So again, that's just oh, one God. tournament. You know, it's not necessarily like, you know, the, the biggest deal in the world, but just an FYI there. So um, the 8K range, I'll just mention a few guys that I like. I think Finau is good for the same reasons that I think Scotty Scheffler is good. Like these guys can go low at any time. I mean, obviously Scheffler right now is playing better than Tony Finau, but Finau can go low and he doesn't have the pressure of making a cut. He does have some pressure to stay within that top 30 of the FedEx Cup standings. I believe he's 29, if memory serves. But honestly, it's the perfect tournament for Tony Finau because even if he breaks on Sunday, which he normally does, I I could see him having a couple really low rounds this week. So I'm going to go for it there. Not a ton of shares there. Going down the list, a couple other guys I like, Adam Scott, Matthew Wolf and I mentioned Victor Hovland. Outside of that, I'll have a couple shares, maybe of Billy Horschel for a bounce back, maybe a couple shares of Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods, really? Iron play. And, and, and one thing to point out, the, the greens here aren't necessarily huge. They're, they're kind of smaller than average. So that iron play really is going to come into play to get, get yourself a good birdie look or, you know, eagle in, in, in the case of a hole or two, perhaps. But so I think, I mean, Tiger's been, you know, he's been decent. He, he had basically three good days last week and, you know, one bad day. So um, this is his second tournament. Is it second tournament in a row? So that bodes well for him. I think the same can be said for Adam Scott. They're finally maybe getting into a groove in terms of mm-hmm. playing a lot of golf. So I, I like both of them to, uh, this I week. Love it. Talk to me, Joel, who you got in the AK range. So I'm going to say something a little controversial. I fully 100% agree with what C was saying. I'm actually going to play a good amount of Tiger Woods this week. Uh, there's a few things that are going that direction. So the first being one of the metrics that plays out really well on this course is long iron play. And there's nobody better than Tiger Woods at long iron play. So that's the check. Tiger Woods ended Sunday last week super strong, and Tiger Woods hasn't gone one week to the next in a long time. And I think that's going to be good for him, right? I mean, with his bad back, his injuries, getting cold, having to get back out there, I think those things hurt him. I think coming in hot after finishing a nice tournament strong, coming right back at it, I think he's going to be in good form. I think he's going to parlay some of that success from last week. I I think Tiger's going to have a really good week. Um, 
And the funny thing is, if you look typically, the ownership levels for Tiger are always way higher than they should be. People are overplaying him because he's Tiger. This week, it looks to be the opposite. People are finally come around on the fact that like he's just old and he's not that good. And the ownership levels are down, which now makes it like, okay, well, now I can play Tiger and be different. And now it's like valuable to play him. So I like Tiger this week. I'm gonna be I'm actually gonna play a good amount of him. I think he's gonna I think he's gonna be back and I think it's gonna be really exciting to watch him this weekend. Um, um F- FYI, yeah. this is a this is a little sneak peek, uh perhaps. Perhaps you'll have to stay tuned at my uh first leader board. So FYI. Ooh, but anyway, I like uh, Joel, Joel, proceed, please. Yes, yeah. So the, I, I went down to the bottom because we were talking Tiger, but the, the guys in this range, I love Tony as well, Finau. Uh, same reason, the the long irons. He's one of the best long iron players in the game. This course is going to suit him well. And he is in good form. I mean, you got to look at more than just the most recent history, right? Over the past month, he's been great. He's hitting the ball well. And again, like you, uh, we always say in DFS, he doesn't need to win the tournament because you know he's going to fall apart on Sunday. But it's late. he can get us in our top 10. That will win us a DFS tournament. That's all we need. Uh, and then the other guys in this range that I'm looking at, I don't have too much. I have to have a little, a couple shares of Kisner because every week I'm looking at the leaderboard and I keep saying, why don't I have Kisner? Because he's playing well every week and every week I don't have him. So I'm not going to make that mistake this week. This week I'm going to have him. And therefore, when he's playing well again and he gets out of the top, I'm going to say, oh, I do have him. And that doesn't hurt me. I love it. I love it. I really like the Tiger Woods take. It is it is funny, as you said, his ownership levels are always through the roof because it's Tiger Woods, the most famous golfer pretty much that ever existed. And now, for whatever reason, this week, people are saying, you know what, we don't want to play Tiger. And this allows Joel to sneak in and this allows Sia to make us some money in other ways. And I love I love that. So, again, this is a very weird tournament. It's 70 players. There is no cut. So now that we're getting down to this 7K, you know, eight, 7K range, low sevens and even into the sixes, all these guys are like not maybe not household names, but I you guys have talked to me about them all at this point. So, see, so yeah, let's talk about this 7K range. I mean, we have Matthew Fitzpatrick, Alex Noren, Mr. Henley, Gary Woodland, Sunjay M, Abraham Answer, your boy. I mean, talk to me about this top half of the 7K range, because I think that there's a huge amount of value here. Yeah, I would tend to agree with you here. I mean, a, a lot of these guys are guys that were probably priced 500 to 1,000 mm-hmm. more like oh, like a month ago, essentially. And they've just sort of like their game has just sort of deteriorated little by little to get down into the 7K range. And I mean, honestly, Woodland and Answer and probably Sung JM sort of headline that that crew of people that I'm talking about. And frankly, I'm not on any of them. Um, I, I haven't really been on Woodland at all this year um answer i was on for a while but i've sort mm-hmm. of faded if you noticed i haven't really been saying his name quite as much he was very disappointing last week i think he's an okay play but interestingly like for this range he's all he's like pretty chalky again and so is um russell henley who i'm not going to play russell henley i mean i'm not going to completely fade him but this is to me this is now we're getting into a, a point where we've got chalk in the 7k range and it might end up being bad chalk you might end up chasing points listen henley's been really good but for me it's kind of like what you said, Joel, about Kisner. Like, I, I don't want to be late to the party. And, and, and I wonder if the party ha- already took place and then we're going to jump on it. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, he is who we thought he was kind of thing. So that's sort of where I'm at with Henley. Not so much Kisner, but Henley, especially with about 17% uh, ownership percentage. That's pretty high in this range. Guys, I like Ryan Palmer. And we talked about him before. He's been really, really good. And by the way, he's 100 less than answer. And you'll see in my article... If you, they played the same four tournaments, the last four tournaments, they played the same exact ones. And Palmer's stats versus 
Abraham answers and his finishing position are night and day. I mean, I think uh, in those four tournaments, answers highest uh, finishing position was 15th. I think that's like Palmer's third worst of the four tournaments. He's been really kind of lights out. So I think you're really getting value with Ryan Palmer. And I just don't think answers game is where it needs to be going through the rest of the seven K range. Other guys that I'm sort of thinking about Brendan Todd, he's just kind of been good. And at this price and with really low ownership, he's on, he's projected under 5%. I mean, I, I think I'm going to go back to him. Um, you know, there are these courses that, that you want to be long at, but a lot of those courses, some of these shorter guys are successful at. And Brendan Todd has been pretty locked in. So that those are a few of the guys I like in the 7K range. What do you got for me, Joel? So I'm going to cheat a little bit. I apologize, but I, I forgot someone from the 8,000 range that I, I can't sleep with if I don't mention, and it's Matthew Wolf. Um, he's been in such good form. Uh, he's playing well. You got to have some shares of him this week because – he hits really well long irons and the driver, and that's what you need on this course. Um, I just I have a good feeling about Wolf this week. So that's someone in the, in the range before that I will be targeting. And then going into this 7,000 range, a guy I like that's kind of been sneaking into the radar. He's been great for the last month or so, Alex Norin. Uh, he's a really good putter, uh, which is kind of his biggest strength. And typically with like DFS, you, you don't tend to target good putters because that's hard to be really consistent in. But the way he's been playing consistently over the last four tournaments, um, it's hard to fit him. I, I think he's just playing so well. He's a little higher price than I would like to see him typically. He's, you know, he's a great value in like the 6,900 range. Uh, but he's just playing so well. I'm definitely going to have some shares of him this week. Another guy in this range I really like, and I think I mentioned him last week, is Jason Cockrack. Um, he's really suited well for this course. Again, it, I'm, like I said, the main theme for the guys I'm picking is long hitters, right? Who's going to be able to get us those birdies? Because that's how you're going to win. Like, like I always mention, the nine birdies and nine bogeys beats 18 pars. So if if Cockrest, yeah, him and Palmer, they're both going to get a lot of bogeys, but they're also going to have a lot of birdies, and that's what's going to help us win in, in these DFS slates. So um, I'm on Cockrest this week. I'm also on Palmer. I actually love Palmer, and I kind of feel like Palmer is getting disrespected by DraftKings. At this point, I feel like he should be in the mid-8,000s. Um, he comes every week, and it's not even just been the last month. It's all season he's been great. Uh, so he's just a guy that just kind of DraftKings is overlooking. Um, and so that for that, it's almost like a value play, right? If you're going to get a, a golfer who's better than his price, you should play it. I love that. I love that, Mr. Cockrack. I'm sure we'll talk about his cousin, Mr. Gooch, a little, little bit. But um, <laughs> with with that, um, I guess we can we can just hammer on right to that 6K range. A lot of these guys, again, Max Homa, I'm still surprised he's there, honestly. Uh, Wierenski, we've talked about him a little bit. Obviously, Mr. Gooch, Joel Dahman, still there. Mr. Fratelli. I mean, a lot of these guys, CAU, Adam Long, some of these guys, they've been the secret weapon in in, uh, in weeks past. Are we getting a secret weapon this week, even though there's, like, no cut? Is, is there some, like, weird stuff, or is that still in play today? Yeah, it's still in play. We'll still have a secret weapon, which I'll release on uh, Discord uh, tomorrow night and uh, p- perhaps after or right before the RG3 interview. Ooh. But uh, yeah, that that was a, a another success uh, last week with uh, Kevin Streelman, who who actually shared the first round lead. I was actually disappointed in myself because typically the secret weapon, I'll at least put a couple bucks on him as a first round leader just for the fun of it. And I just didn't do that this week or excuse me, last week. So um, that was a little depressing. Um, a, a note on Matthew Wolf, a, a couple people might be a little intimidated by picking him because I think he shot a 77 on what we all know was 
it was an easy course on Saturday. But he did rebound really well on Sunday and played really well, much like, Joel, you mentioned Tiger did too. I think he shot a 67, so 10 strokes better from that awful day. I think that would have been four under on the day, which is pretty solid. So, you know, a lot of times we remember the big number, but we don't remember the bounce back the next day. So Matthew Wolf, he was actually in my article as well, Joel, and um, I-, I like him as well. And just to make the point, and I've already mentioned this, and then Joel reinforced it on Abraham, excuse me, on Ryan Palmer. Just so you like, just to get the numbers right, the last four tournaments, and again, they're the same exact tournaments that they that they've played. Abraham Answer, who was priced higher than Ryan Palmer, missed cut, forty third, fifteenth, fifty eighth. Okay, same tournaments, the last four for Ryan Palmer, who, again, is cheaper, 8th, 43rd, 15th, and 2nd. I mean, it is – talk about disrespect. I mean, again, I know that's only four tournaments, but, you know, this is this is kind of like a, a crazy yep. thing that – it's one thing for Palmer to be priced at 7600 It's another thing for Answer to be priced ahead of him. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least exactly. they should be the same price or Answer should be $100 cheaper, so you are getting value there. So in the 6K range, um, there's a few guys I like. You know, Taylor Gooch has been really good. Uh, I, I like him quite a bit. Joel Dahman, I, I like him. I mean, if, if we're talking about Birdie, like he's the classic case of a guy that could have a, one awful, awful day and three really good days and rack up the points for you. So I like him quite a bit. Dylan Fratelli is kind of, you know, he's a little shorter, but he's kind of been my guy the last month or so. He was one of the secret weapons a few weeks ago and he, and he killed it that week. So I like him. You know, Streelman's on there. I, I'm not so sure about him this week. Tyler Duncan is interesting. Super low ownership. He's been really good. Other than that, there's not anybody that that's really kind of standing out to me. Th- those are the guys that I'm probably going to try to fit into my lineups. I love it. Joel, what do you got for this so, yeah, range? I think CM made a really good point, and, and I'll double down on that. I almost target guys who shoot a, a one-day 77 the week before because they're lower on the leaderboard. They didn't do as well, but all that was was one day. It means if you shot three really good scores and you blew up one day, it's not out of the question for you to do four good scores the next week, right? So – I almost rather find the guy that had one blow up day who maybe is getting overlooked because he played well the rest of the week and he can just maybe put together four days the next week. So I love those kind of plays. And I think that's a really, really good point. CMA. And, and to now, that point, if you don't mind, um, what if you shoot three really good days and just, you know, an average day, right? And you're, you're, you're right into it. What if you don't blow up for plus 10, you only, you go even or something. That is also another way you could look at well, it where they don't just well, completely take themselves out. Well, the point is, if you shoot three really good days in an average day, you probably did well, right? Exactly. So you're on people's radar. Whereas if you shoot three good days and a bad day and you blow up and you're in the middle of the tournament, no one's looking at you. They're just like, oh, this guy didn't do anything. He's not in good form. Where if you look deeper, yes, he blew up one day, but really he played three really good days. So mm-hmm. he's capable of getting those good days. You just need to make sure he doesn't blow up on the next tournament. So I think the thought process is like a, a blow up day is like I got a target because if it's just one – then he's in good form and, and you can get all of those birdies. Um, so the one guy in this range that I, I definitely do not play a lot of him, but maybe a good sneaky play to throw into your lineups is JT posted. He's one of the lowest owned guys in the tournament right now. I think he's at 1% ownership. So no one else is going to have him. He's pretty good. I mean, he's a good golfer. He's, you know, he, he, he has a, I don't remember off the top of my head right now, which tournament it was, but he put up a really good score recently, whether it was last week or two weeks ago. Um, I, I and if you look, he has a few top ten finishes this year, so it's not out of the realm of possibilities for him to to get a low a low score and, and help you in, in this really low range, especially at one percent owned. Um, I like Richie Wierenski, and I'm going to mention him again when we start talking about bets later on. Uh, but I think he's another sneaky play in this range uh, where you can get you know a guy when you want to 
maybe put Bryson, beefy Bryson, if you will, um, or if you want to get DJ in your lineup, you'll need to find some of these guys. So I think he's a good guy to target. Um, another guy in this range I really like, and you know I hate butchering guys' names, but Byung Hung An. Uh, he's he's in the same family as Palmer, Cockrack, Damon. They can go really birdie, 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 bogey, bogey, bogey. He'll blow up at certain times. But if you're locking him into four days, to me, what that means is you're locking him into a lot of birdies. And that's what I'm looking for in these tournaments. So um, I'm definitely, especially in those lineups that I am going to go high and take a lot of those big dogs. He's definitely going to be a, a staple in some of my, in some of these lineups. Your boy, uh, Michael, Gooch. I like Gooch, Gooch a lot this week. Um, and not just because it's fun to say his name. I actually it's love that's the way he's playing. <laughs> it's fun to say his name too, but uh, I really do like him this week. I think uh, this course suits him in terms of he hits some, some long irons really well. Uh, and the thing to, to kind of isolate is when you are building lineups and you're building, like I said, the stars and scrubs, when you're going to the scrubs, there's two. There's, it's pretty simple. It's two thought processes. Who can get the most birdies, right? And for this course, who can hit it long? Because those are going to give you the chance to do it. And so I literally just went down to, to the 6,000 range and I said, okay, here are the guys that hit it long. Gooch, Domin, and uh, Rinsky really doesn't, but I still like him anyway. Um, and those are pretty much my targets. The one other guy in this range that I have my eye on is Maverick McNeely. He was in that amateur tournament that was played like five years ago. I think he finished like in the teens or 20th. So he did pretty well. He's played here. He has some history. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are, that's my, uh, those are my targets for this 6,000. I love it. We got a lot of targets. It's a 70 player, 70 player field, I guess 69 now. Nice with, uh, Webb Simpson not being there. Right. So we have uh, one less player. There is no cut. So it's going to be an interesting, interesting weekend. Uh, I know our good friend over here, Patrick Scott refuses to play cash games when it comes to no cut tournaments. Um, I don't know if, if you guys feel the same way about that. See, I know you say, no, you can still play cash games. Joel, are you still playing cash games or is this, you know, just, is this the weekend just to go all GPP all the time? So you probably don't know this. One, I never play cash games. I'm always I, all GPP all the time. I kind of knew that. But <laughs> I'm always going for the big payday. So that's, that's all I'm worried about. I never play cash. I respect that. I respect that. And, and, and for some people that's okay. Other people like to build their bankroll, but you've done that through, uh, you know, a few very high priced wins. So I don't think you have to worry about bankroll anytime soon my friend well let me explain why i do them because there is a logical explanation for that so here's my thought process with golf right you're targeting let's say so 70 guys in this field there's probably 20 25 golfers i'm targeting if i miss then i'm losing all my gpps and my cash games. that's twice the losses Mm -hmm. if i hit then great i can win gpp i might not i could break even because other guys maybe had some long shots i didn't have um great and maybe i'll win some cash but the point is when I hit big on GPPs, I'm making big a lot of money. When I lose, when I have a bad week, that's twice the losses I've been playing, guys. I don't want to take twice the losses. I'd rather just keep playing the GPPs. I, I can afford the, the loss of just that, and I don't have to worry about having a bad week and losing twice the amount of money. I like it. That's a pretty solid explanation. I appreciate that. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah, I like that. Very cool. I'll play even more GPPs now, just in the name <laughs> of the track. I love it. Um, so let's talk about some bets. We have a couple outrights I know. Obviously, we love our first-round leaders. Those are always the tastiest. Sia, talk to me a little bit. What uh, Do you want to start with first-round leader? No, we like to keep those for later. Let's let's talk about outrights for the tournament. Who are you liking that is uh, a little bit more of a long shot? Because actually, I heard a statistic today. You, If you t- have taken um, everyone 
under 20 to one, it's only cashed one time since the restart. Every single person that has cash started the tournament over as a 20 to one bet. So it's an hmm. interesting, interesting little statistic that I heard. Shout out Pat Mayo experience. Um, so Sia, talk to me a little bit. Who, uh, who are we liking in terms of the outrights this week? Pat Mayo is fantastic. We don't usually tout other, other podcasts, but I will say that he's, and it's not even the content necessarily. It's just his delivery. It's just a oh, funny God. podcast. He does a lot of different things. Um, not it's, just golf, not just football. He does a lot of stuff. He is. Oh man. Just listening to him talk. It's just like, I'm on a roller coaster with him. It was so much fun. <laughs> anyway, yeah, hey, listen, you know what? That was too much praise. We don't want people to just like, you know, turn the channel yeah. right now. Keep so. listening to us though, everybody. How's that sound? <laughs> So, okay, outright, and, and, and you already sort of prefaced this for me, so I don't really choose the, the 20 to 1 shots or, or lower than that. If I'm going if, if to lock in on, on an outright that's one of the favorites, I'm going to hope he has a bad Thursday so I can get him on Friday. Um, the outright's from 30 to 1 or longer. Uh, you know, I'm going to take a shot at Patrick Reed. He's sort of been, like, not really um, – Anywhere to be found, you know, really close to the leaderboard on Sunday, but he does have the game to do it. He's not going to be intimidated by this field. One thing I do want to mention is um, about Byung Hung and, by the way, he, 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 you're so right. He's like either miscut or he makes it. But the last two that he made the cut was the WGC and the PGA Championship, where he finished 22nd and 12th. So like th- those are remarkable fields and he did great in those. And, and then some of the other ones like the Northern trust, I believe he missed the cut. So it seems that he does lock in, in the talented fields. And that's, that's what we have this week. So I just kind of want to co-sign the, uh, the on uh, recommendation, but uh, Adam Scott at 45 to one. I like, I think this is another, like another Tiger Woods situation where he's playing a second tournament in a row and he has the game to win here. Um, he's played, He's played well since the, since coming back from the restart. He just hasn't played often. Uh, Ryan Palmer at 85 to 1. Um, it's interesting because I was going to have him as a first round leader, but this is evidence of what like what Ryan Palmer can do on any given day. First round leader, he's 45 to 1 on DraftKings, which I thought was an error, but he's 85 to 1 to win it outright. So clearly they think Palmer has a shot to like mm-hmm. kill it one day, you know, presumably the first day, but he doesn't have a shot to put to, put it together for four rounds. Well, 85 to 1 for a guy that's playing that well, I'll take that. And then my super long shot, again, I've mentioned him, Brendan Todd at 110 to 1. I love it. Let's make some money. I just put like $2 on all of those. That's my favorite thing to do. I'll sweat with you, Tia. So with that in mind, out of curiosity, with this being such a weird tournament, again, 69-player field, no cut, are you paying attention to some of these long shots a little bit more, understanding that these guys in 70th, 69th, 68th, they have to do a little bit of work to get into that top 30 so that they can just at least cash that, as you said, that 400K, um, you know, next weekend. Is that something that you're going to take into uh, into effect, especially with some of these DFS lineups a little bit, knowing there's a little bit more urgency, if I may, for those guys towards the back of the field? Yeah, not really, because I don't think the narrative thing has really been working out too much the last few tournaments on, in terms of people accumulating points. Did you want to do the sound effect? I did, but you already went too far. so I, I ruined it. I'm so yeah. sorry. Okay, so... so and by the way, the guys that are in like 70th, they have a really slim shot of getting inside the top 30. So the guys that are in like that thir- like 25 or, or like 22 to like 40 range, I-, I would probably put a little bit more on that. And there's plenty of golfers that are like that. I mentioned a couple of them earlier in the show. So yeah, I would look at that because I think they w- they potentially could be more dialed in again, potentially. But mm. um, no, I'm not too big on that this particular tournament. Okay. And Joel, do you have any uh, do you have any outrights for us that you're, you're going to yeah. sweat? So I got three outrights, and one is I'm putting like I'm I'm prefacing it with I'm putting a significant wager on one. I'm going to save it to last because that's my 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 biggest play of the week. 
So the the two other plays. Listen, if you're betting outright, you want to have fun with it. Betting the <laughs> betting the twelve to one guys. Yeah, they're favored. They're more likely to win. That's not as fun for a weekend. The twelve to one. So I'm not looking at those guys. So uh, I am going to start with Jason Cockrack at a hundred to one. Um, if he does, if he avoids a blow up day, he's right up there with everybody else. He he can he's as good at getting birdies as everyone. He just you know isn't as quite as consistent. So at a hundred to one, you know. I definitely like putting a couple shekels on him. Um, another play I like is Victor Hovland. He, you know, he's coming around. He played great on Sunday. This winning this will actually have a lot of meaning to him. So like, there's an extra incentive of like, I kind of need this to, to get in there. And he's another one of those guys where his kind of weak point of his game is like around the green. And that shouldn't be the biggest factor on this course. It really is more about long iron play, which he's really solid at. So if his biggest weakness shouldn't be a big factor here, that should really help him. So, at forty to one, I like I like him, and but my play of the week, my big play that I am going to be putting probably a couple hundred dollars on, um, mm. and this is going to be a controversial one because because it's it's going to be a name that everyone's familiar with. It's the big cat, Tiger Woods, to win the whole thing. Wow. Tigers, it's Tiger time. I think he's going to win it. I think he's back. Uh, he looked great last Sunday. I think he's going to put together all four days. And I know what he wants to win the FedEx Cup, right? Like, this is the type of thing where he'll come motivated, right? This is not just another tournament for Tiger to go play. He's won how many 80 tournaments in his life? Like, he knows how to win a tournament. Going to another tournament doesn't excite him. This is something that will get him excited, right? Getting him set up for the FedEx Cup. You know he wants to win the FedEx Cup. Getting him in position to do so. Um, I think we're going to see a big week out of Tiger, and I'm going to I'm going to bet on it a lot of money. What are those odds? Tiger it's, is. It's 33 to 1. And 33 happens 32. to be my lucky number. So now I have to bet it. Thanks for nothing. Okay. I'm glad I didn't put that Mavs bet in. I don't know what the score is, but I'll I'll, I'll ride that out with you. Uh, if I can figure out how to get my free bet, uh, I'll ride that yes. out with you, Joel. I love it. Good yes. stuff. The big cat coming through. The last time you put a significant wager on something when it t- in terms of golf was only a couple, uh, a couple weeks ago when we had uh, Mr. HV3. If I'm not mistaken, uh, cash and a it? lot of money for everybody but me. Everybody but me because I'm stupid. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's talk about some of these first round leaders. I know this is this is a little more tasty. This is a little bit more immediate too. We know Thursday night if we won our bets or not. We don't have to wait all the way till Sunday. But talk to me a little bit about some of these first round leaders. You know, HB3 reminds me. Um, we have an interview tomorrow, and I can't remember who it's with. Michael, can you help me out? Ooh. I think there's a three. Um, oh, yes. It's Mr. Robert Griffin, the third, the best quarterback in the Baltimore Ravens backfield. I don't think we, we can lax, say that to him, though, right? I think we lack gonna... no headline making tonight, Michael. Come on. You know better. Okay. Uh, okay I'm sorry. So, first, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. First, first round leader. A couple of these are actually shorter prices than I normally take. And I know, Joel, you're on the train of kind of like taking the deep guys, and, and I am too. But again, it's a 70 person field. So, I'm going to take a few guys that are shorter than I normally take. Scheffler at 28 to 1. I'll try to ride that wave. Again, he's a birdie maker, whether it's on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. There's going to be a round where Scheffler goes really low. It's just a matter of when. Tony Finau, another another guy that fits that exact description at 33 to 1. And I have the big cat, too, at 33 to 1. So that's kind of cool. I can have an outright bet. I can have, have him in a couple DK lineups, and I can have a first-round leader play. So we're kind of all in on Tiger. And for the record, anybody that's listening that doesn't know, this is like the first time that we've had any sort of consensus or any mention of Tiger being in A, our lineups, or B, in our betting market. So take that for what it's worth. The other two guys I have, again, I, dro- I dropped uh, Palmer because his first round odds were ridiculous, uh, ridiculously um, 
off. I have uh, Joel Dahman at 70 to 1. And I just added uh, Byung Hung on at 80 to 1. So those are the five guys I had. And and Joel was so he was so pissed. Joel? I took his his Byung Hung on pick that yeah. he was like, I'm out of here. But he's back there. Now. He is. Okay. <laughs> we don't know where you went. You're back and that's all that matters. Um, <laughs> that's a very interesting deal. We've every tournament Tiger has been in since the restart. We've pretty much just said, nope, nope, not even bothering, not even dealing with it. Wish, don't waste your time. And now, I mean, you and Joel not only are like, yeah, maybe we can play him. It's no, let's put a couple hundred dollars on him to win the entire tournament. I think that <laughs> speaks for itself. Um, so I think it's a good reason. Again, these fun golf ones, I'll be honest, like I put real money on other things. I legitimately just put one or two dollars on all these outrights just because, hey, if you turn two dollars of a 100 to one bet into a win, that's a cool 200 bucks in your account. I'm not going to be angry about it. And I'm not going to be angry about losing two dollars either. So it's. It's a nice little way of uh, enjoying this golf a little bit more, which I think is a lot of fun. So that is the BMW Championship. We had a wait, lot of fun wait, over all. Oh, wait. oh my gosh. I'm first sorry. Round oh, yeah. First round leaders for Joel. I got, I I got so some sorry. more picks for you. You left. I got so I like, just thought you oh, were and gone. Some matchups and that's on me. That's on me. Yeah. No, no worries. No worries. I will say, because I think it is important. If you're a new listener, it is important for the, that context he gave is very true. We never recommend Tiger. Actually, I normally recommend not to play him. I think it's a bad play. So the fact that we're recommended to play, this is not normal for us. We're not like Tiger homers that are always saying to play him. So that doesn't mean he's guaranteed to win the tournament. But just know that we're not people that are always saying play Tiger. This is this is, this is is contingent on this week. Um, now, my first round leader bets that I like, and there's four that I'm going to mention. Uh, a guy that I mentioned earlier that I already talked about, Byung Hung An. Um, you know, he's the type of guy that because of his volatility, it's hard for him to win a whole tournament, but he can definitely win a day of a tournament. And like, I, if there was another bet that was like low round of the tournament, I might even look at him for that too. Like, cause it's hard to predict it's going to happen on Thursday, but one day he's going to get really low uh, and I'm going to want some shares of him. So I'm going to definitely have uh, a couple, a couple, a few shekels on him for the first round lead. Um, I also like Richie Wierenski. So that's what I was mentioning him before when I was looking at our DFS plays. Uh, he does have a good first round scoring average. And so when I start picking my first round leader plays, I've done it after I've already kind of started building my DFS lineups. And so I'm looking when I'm doing that and seeing how have you done in the first round? And I think that if I see that guys typically come out hot, that's a guy I'm going to target, right? A guy that is more accustomed to starting strong. Cause there's some guys that normally don't start strong and then they finish strong, right? So I just want to target the, those guys, shrink the pool a little bit for my first round leaders, so the guys that have a history uh, of starting strong. And Richard Renske is one of those guys. And now, Michael, your boy, I know you're going to have to put at least a dollar on this one, Taylor Gooch. Uh, he's another guy that I like this week. He's the same type of thing where it's like you don't want to bet these type of guys top 10 or top 20 because you don't get great odds for that. You know, Maybe it's like 3-1 to one or 5-1, to one, which is like it's they're still a long shot, so you don't. it's not worth like what am I going to get from betting that. But if you can get some really nice odds on him to win the first round, like 80 to 1, uh, for him to have a low round, and he certainly can do that. And he's another one of the same type of guys that's not going to do it for four days. But for one, he certainly can. Um, I think that he's a good guy. He's a good value target. And the last guy, and this is a guy that I really liked last week. I'll be completely honest. I'm not as high on him this week, but I do like him for just a first round bet. And it's Cameron Smith. Um he played well last week. He wasn't great, but he's one of those guys that 
he was he was he's a better golfer than he got credit for. He was really good before the restart. He got cold when the restart happened, and he seems to be coming back into form. So now it feels like the good time to get on the bad wagon before he gets back up into his you know seven thousand eight thousand range and everyone's on him. So I'm trying to be a little sneaky and and plan before uh, before he's back into full form. I like that. Sometimes we got to be sneaky. It's more fun that way. So I think what we're going to do this week, guys, we are going to speak two things into existence. One, Tiger's not only going to do well, but he's going to win. And two, we're going to get Taylor Gooch on the podcast. I think that's yes. what we have to do now. So we're going to have to do a shout out to him. Maybe next week uh, we can we can make a planned uh, an extravagant event as we did for Mr. G3. So I'm very excited. That one worked. So I think let's let's just keep that in the back of the head, boys. See, see ways we can get Mr. Gooch on and maybe... Maybe have him and Mr. Cockrack on on the same time. I don't know. I think yes. I might be getting ahead of myself. I think I might be getting ahead of myself, but I think it's something that we can talk about and something that we can get to. So that is our DFS. Those are our DFS players. Those are our first round leaders. Those are our outrights. I think we're good now for the BMW championship. We have C in the job. We have Joel Shrek with us. Joel, do you want to hang out for a little more football? We got some football to talk about too. You got some fantasy. Absolutely. Well, let's get this party rolling. So a couple things have recently happened in the NFL that are alarming to say the least. Uh, the NFL had a COVID problem this past weekend where the facility that they use in New Jersey, what up, shout out New Jersey, they had a, a horrendous amount of false positives and it affected, I think, 10 or 11 teams, the GM of the Bills said. If something like this happens in season, that is a gigantic problem. See it. Talk to me a little bit. I'm sure, you know, you, I, Jason and I actually got to talk about it on the Sunday show. I don't know if it happened in time for you guys to talk about it on the Saturday show. I'll be totally honest. I don't remember. But with something like that happening, if this happens on a Thursday or a Friday and the NFL has to cancel five games, the NFL has to cancel one game. That throws everything into a loop. How do you think this is going to affect us in terms of betting? And how do you think this is going to, more importantly, affect us in terms of fantasy for the rest of the season? Um, it's just funny. Uh, it's sort of a lesson and a, and a teaching moment on perspective. And it's not that either of our perspectives are wrong. It's that like you can listen to something and depending on what your filter is, you internalize it differently because I took that story as really good news because at the end of the day, there were negative test results. So oh, I understand That's the most important part. Yes, that, of course, is the most important part. No, but I'm not even talking about the health part. I'm just saying like, oh, I thought they were positive or they're negative. Okay, so business as usual. But I understand what you're saying because whether they're positive or not, you, or excuse me, whether the, the tests are wrong or not, if they come back as positive mm -hmm. and they're wrong, well, so what? That You know, you're probably going to have an issue for that Sunday. So I don't know. You know, it, it's it's really a hard thing to predict. I'm, I'm not really going to be in the business of like predicting anything beyond what's before me in that week. So that's sort of where I'm coming from, from, from a year long fantasy standpoint. I think you need to build out, you know, a couple IR spots, which most of these platforms allow you to do. I think you need to consider at least depending on how deep your bench already is, you know, adding a, a round or two or three, you know, in my leagues, I have like a pretty deep bench as, as it is. So I don't necessarily need to do that, but some leagues have like six deep on their bench that that's unacceptable right now, given the situation. So, um, but in DFS, listen, I look at all of this as, you know, I don't want year long to be interrupted, but, you know, from, from a DFS standpoint, we've seen it with baseball. These guys are these these games are canceled, but you still have the DFS slate. So to me, this is an opportunity from a, both a sports betting standpoint and from a daily fantasy sports standpoint, because it's just more information for people like us to filter through and give to ourselves and give to our subscribers. Because, you know, at the end of the day, when information is is changing so fast, it's really the people that really like 
do this that are going to be able to take advantage of the new information. So, I, I mean, it's, it would suck for the football season itself, but just from a purely daily fantasy sports standpoint, now it doesn't bother me at all. If anything, it's kind of a bonus. Yeah, I mean, from a DFS standpoint, as you, as you said, as we've seen from baseball, it really hasn't done anything but take away a couple pitchers on a slate and maybe a stack or two. It's really not that big a deal. But I think the problem comes in where baseball can run double headers. The Mets are playing five games in three days against the Yankees this coming weekend. You can't do that in football. The schedules are very, they're very specific. They're very down pat. So Joel, how do you like something along those lines, understanding that this schedule is so specific and so tight and you just throw one, you know, wrench into this, the entire machine blows up. It's not as easy like baseball. It's like, all right, well, you know, the, the Yankees will be the home game for the first and the Phillies will be the home game for the second. And it really doesn't matter. The NFL is going to have a huge, huge problem. How did, when you saw this story, did this ruffle any of your feathers? Because it seems like C is kind of looking forward to taking advantage of the stupid people not paying attention. <laughs> well, a few things. I think, you know, what doesn't bother me is the test, right? I think obviously it's amateur hour that the first batch happened that way. The NFL has too much money. There's too much at yeah. for this. They'll get that right. Like I have no, I have full confidence in that getting corrected. That is not worried about as much as I am the fact that you can't compare football to these other sports for a few reasons. One, there's 55 guys in a locker room. We're not talking 10, 15, 55. Two, they're not in a bubble. These guys have lives. They're going out. There's 55 guys going in different directions, 55 guys coming into a field and playing each other. It's bound to spread. I mean, this is one of the most contagious diseases. We don't know what to do. We're not allowed to walk outside without a mask on. What are they going to do playing football? So it's going to happen. And so I'm more concerned at like when it does happen, how bad is it going to be? Our game's going to get canceled. Are, is this season going to finish? That's my concern. And, you know, and, and it's not funny because this is a really serious disease and, and that's a serious thing. But to make a joke out of it, because we have to. Please. Uh, are you familiar with the movie? It's an old movie, Celtic Pride. It's with one of the Wayne's brothers. He plays. First of all, you have to watch it. It's an amazing movie. I recommend it to everybody. He plays for the jazz and these two diehard Celtic fans, they're legendary comedians, go and kidnap him during the playoff series so that he can't play so that the Celtics can win the series. I am now envisioning that people are going to basically say, listen, we're playing Pat Mahomes. It's the wild card round of the playoffs. I'm going to go cough on him, give him <laughs> COVID, and then he will no longer be able to play against us. And it's like literally it was together, my buddy made a joke, and then we like, thought about it. Like, what is this, Celtic pride? And the other day I was doing well in one of the golf tournaments, and I was like there was like right. one guy ahead of me that I needed to slow down. My buddy's like, just call in, say he has COVID, make him get off the course. Once he's out, you're going to win the tournament. And I was like, you're joking, but that's actually <laughs> And then, so obviously, no, don't actually do that. It's a terrible, terrible idea. But I'm <laughs> laughing because football is crazy. And especially down in like the Midwest, I don't put anything past anybody. And the day Matt Mahomes, someone calls in and says, Matt, Pat Mahomes, I saw him coughing or I was around him and I have COVID and that's going to cause or well, should he be able to play? I don't know. And when you can't play Pat Mahomes in a big game, like that's going to cause so many ruffles. I don't know what's going to happen. It's it's going to be uh, the weirdest season, of course. We've already starting to see certain teams. Are I think the Dolphins said they'll have thirteen percent. See if I'm not mistaken, thirteen percent of their fans. I, I think they said thirteen. 
13,000 13,000 okay so they'll they'll have some fans and now other teams are like wait a second why did like we should all not be allowed to have fans if we all can't so it's it's gonna be weird it's gonna be wacky I'm gonna watch every single game of course because I don't have anything else to do because I'm not allowed to leave my house pretty much so it's gonna be interesting it's gonna be fun but I, I don't know man I Joel I agree with you I think there's gonna be some weird stuff there's some shady stuff we know we're having fun betting on golf and basketball and football now, but or uh, baseball now. But we really, we all know where the money is. We all know that there's like eight times more bet on football than there is on all these other sports combined, pretty much. So it's it's going to be interesting. I'm going to be uh, talk to me, talk to me. Well, I was going to say, I was like, you know, same thing. I was thinking with LeBron. Basketball's got in control, but like, imagine in the middle of a playoffs, if LeBron gets tested positive, the whole mm-hmm. series ends, right? Like, you can't go on. Like the same thing with like Pat Mahomes. If Pat Mahomes gets COVID. They, they're not going to win a game. And same thing with Lamar. No, wait. I want to say with Lamar Jackson. If Lamar Jackson gets it. They might be better off because RG3 will come in. No, we're not allowed to do in- that. You said we can't. Do- <laughs> you said we can't do that. Come I'll on. allow it. I'll allow it. <laughs> sustained. <laughs> he's a lawyer, so it's sustained. I know. Now. He's the lawyer. I have to listen to him. I know how this works, Joel. Don't don't tell me how my show works, Joel. Thank you very much. No, but I, I, I totally agree with you, man. It, it, it gets weird, and, and, and just how if you take one of these guys out, it's going gonna, it's gonna to mess with a lot of stuff. But it's interesting to say the least. And, and just this last point on our SiriusXM show, uh, channel 210 slash 87, SiriusXM Radio 11, p.m. to 1 a.m. Saturdays and Sundays. Sia is now Saturdays. I'm now Sundays. We figured out Sia has kids and I have a life. So like, why were we doing Saturdays and Sundays opposite before? I still don't know, but we figured it out. We we, we, we caught on. <laughs> uh, we had Brandon Steiner and Leonard Armato on. I can't remember which one said it. I want to say it was Brandon Steiner, but he even said in terms of season long fantasy, one thing that, you know, don't put, you know, mega, mega weight on, but take players from teams that are kind of out in the middle of nowhere, right? Like you get giants and jets. We know what's going on in New York. We know what's going on in New Jersey. You got teams down in Florida. We know what's going on down in Florida teams in Texas. We know what's happening. Texas, California, of course you have teams like Kansas city where I don't know how many people live in Kansas city. I don't want to assault anyone, but what is it like? Uh, uh, 500,000 people live in Kansas city. Is that a high number? Like, I don't even know. Like there is a significantly less like uh, concentration of population, even in the cities in the Midwest that the opportunity for spread might be a little bit less. And again, we're not going to put heavy, heavy weight on it, but it's something to take into account. So I don't know. I think it's a bad take though, because those States generally ignore the the mask requirements more than some of the States you mentioned. So, you know, which, which, which situation is better at the end of the day? I mean, not Texas or Florida, I guess. But again, I'm not a I'm not a doctor. I wouldn't know. Um, but thank you both. Uh, we actually have some more stuff. So maybe C and I will bring back this Thursday show just just because there's a, a lot of injury news that we want to get to. But we are at an hour. I don't think we need to do this too much longer. See you. Where can everyone find you on the Internet? They can find me at Sia Najad, S-I-A-N-E-J-A-D. And they can find you and me tomorrow at 830 on the live stream again on the live stream. On here, on the Wind Daily Sports um, Twitter page, on Wind Daily Sports Twitch page, on the Wind Daily Sports YouTube page. And we actually now have the functionality to do this live on the website, which now that I'm saying it out loud, I remembered I didn't do for this stream in particular. So I will remember to do for the next stream. Joel, where can everybody find you on the Internet? You can find me at DraftMasterFlex on Twitter and Instagram. And Instagram, you can find me at Michael Rizal one And as Sia said, we have an incredible, incredible show tomorrow. I'm very excited for it. Mr. RG3 is coming on. And Sia, if you could, uh, to close the show, say something disparaging about 
uh philadelphia well it's, it's an easy target let's go mm, that is an easy target um you know i was having a conversation with somebody that was really sweating the jalen rieger thing i think in by the way in dfs i think greg ward is a fantastic play mm-hmm. at 4200 week one against that washington secondary okay that's not disparaging but what yeah, is nice. disparaging yeah it was too nice um carson wentz is going to get mauled in that game I just don't think the Philadelphia Eagles offensive line is not what it used to be. That doesn't mean it's a bad offensive line, but that front seven for the Redskins, if Wentz doesn't get the ball out within like two and a half seconds, it's going to be game over for him. So I don't mean an injury, but he's just going to be on the ground a lot. So I think that game is going to be a little bit closer than people think. And I'm not buying the the recent hype that Philly actually is the NFC East, um, you know, dominant team, because I'm hearing that a lot lately. And I still think it's Dallas. Still Dallas. I think it's uh, down to minus 110, though. I think you got it at plus money, if I'm not mistaken. So look at that. Should have been paying attention, people. Should have been paying attention. So that is our disparaging remark about Philadelphia. I think that's how we should just end every show. Just say something <laughs> mean about Philly. I kind of like that. But as I said, Michael Brazil won for seeing a job for Joel Shrek, for everyone over here at Wind Daily Sports. We all hope you make it a very profitable evening. <laughs>